Hello and welcome to Talking Events, the industry podcast brought to you by Event Industry News. Today, being recorded from the HQ of Blackout uh, in South London, um, suppliers of drapes and rigging to the international live events industry. Uh, a big thank you to the team and the staff at Blackout HQ for allowing us to set up the podcast studio and, uh, and record these episodes. Um, on with today's subject matter, let's welcome our guests to the studio, first of all. Um, Paul Ridderford, NRC manager uh, from Plaza. Paul, welcome to Talking Events. Thank you very much. Uh, Robin Elias, technical director of Unusual Rigging. Robin, welcome along to the studio. Thank you. And Eric Porter. Eric, uh, a semi-retired rigger, but uh, very active in delivering training, primarily at the Backstage Academy, if I'm right in saying, Eric, and, mm -hmm. and also on a freelance basis, and very active within the rigging industry. Eric, welcome to the studio. Thank you. Um, all three of our guests today sit on the National Rigging Advisory Group. Um, I don't know whether it would be a, a board or a committee. Um, I'm sure we'll find that as we uh, move on in today's episode. But what we're going to be talking about is the, the, the National Rigging Advisory Group, the Riggers Conference, Plaza. Um, let's look first of all at what, what Plaza is. I, I know Plaza and I'm familiar with it. But for the listeners li uh, tuning into the podcast today, tell us first of all about Plaza and what it is. So Plaza is the Professional Lighting and Sound Association. Um, we are a trade association uh, representing the lighting and sound industries. Um, we've been around for over 30 years and we basically uh, react to uh, any, any questions which come from industry. We represent industry. Uh, we offer membership to uh, lighting sound companies and as such, as members, we offer uh, additional services such as legal advice, uh, access to uh, standards, etc., etc. So we've been around for over 30 years and we uh, represent the industry. And as a body that represents, uh, as you surmised, sound and lighting, rigging is something that is part very very prevalent in both of those particular fields of expertise. Mm -hmm. So we'll have a huge crossover. So how much of Plaza uh, is involved in working with the rigging industry and the rigging professionals that are in the sector? Well, very much so. And, and in fact, this is why we're going on to talk about uh, the NRAG today. Um, the NRAG initially was set up as an initiative uh, by Plaza as a means of getting industry professionals together uh, to act as a, uh, an advisory group to Plaza but also to represent all of the rigging companies uh, in the UK. And Robin Elias, uh, welcome to Talking Events for the first time. Um, as, as a company working in that rigging industry, what does working with a, a, an association like Plaza and moving that on to being part of NRAG, what does that mean to you as a, as a, as a company and what does that allow you to do? Uh, well, it's very valuable and um, <coughs> particularly in the formation of the live event rigging um, accreditation scheme, the National Rigging Certificate. The original NRAG was put together to advise Plaza on the technical issues involved and the technical content of the accreditation scheme. And in September 2007, the National Rigging Certificate was uh, implemented. This is a, enables riggers to carry a card proving their competence within the industry, which has its uh, all sorts of advantages, which you can imagine. Absolutely, and, and I think a, a, a useful moment then to, to turn to Eric, and uh, as somebody who's worked as a rigger, how long have you been in the industry? Oh, a very long time. I think my first job as a senior rigger was in 1980. 
when I actually went out responsible for stuff not landing on people's heads and the reason that i asked that is like many jobs and roles within the events industry and within the live events industry if you go back 30 40 years the jobs now whilst on paper that, that you're fundamentally doing the same thing that the skills and the qualifications and the training and, and a lot of the the background paperwork and checks that has to be done to do those jobs has changed significantly hasn't it hugely and and what how have you seen the professional development of your peers change in the time that you've been in the industry and and how have things like the national rigging certificate impacted the, the guys that you're working with mm, in so many ways to answer that mm. the the nrag had to be set up to advise plaza on the writing of standards we were following an nvq kind of architecture for the qualification scheme um, and so that depends upon national standards existing. Um, the NRAG preceded the NRC, which Robin correctly says was actually launched at the Plaza Show of 2007. Mm -hmm. um, the impact uh, has the how how it was received by the existing rigging fraternity varied from. Um, violent rejection and <laughs> objection to it uh, to thank heaven that we've got something from the industry to serve the industry mm -hmm. I think most of us believe it would have been rather inappropriate for general construction industry qualification schemes sure, yeah. just to have been hammered in and we've seen uh, that example in the us. event industry before, haven't we, where yeah. construction-based mm. principles <coughs> have tried to be implemented, and they don't quite work because the logistics and the fundamentals d differ greatly. Um, when go on, no, sorry, I was going to say it was, a, it was uh, at a time where within the construction industry there was the CSCS card scheme, mm -hmm. which was uh, a, a scheme of competence for people working within the construction industry. And it was seen that it would only be a matter of time before something like that would be implemented onto our industry. Um, and the decision was taken that rather than wait for people outside of the industry to come and, and impose a qualification which would likely not be fit for purpose, that it would be a good idea that we arranged our own, uh, which is why uh, the, the NRAG was, was set up uh, with a view to creating a, uh, a qualification of competence with, within the rigging industry, which mm -hmm. was absolutely fit for purpose uh, and, and which we could have or the industry could have uh, means of steering uh, and developing. W when NRAG was formed, was there a, a worry or concern at any level that as the industry was growing, there was going the, the spectrum between good rigging and bad rigging was going to just become broader and broader and broader, and, and that was one of the reasons that drove forming something like NRAG to make sure that things were kept on a, uh, a, a more straightforward pathway? Yeah, that's partly true. The difference between the construction industry and the event rigging industry is that the construction industry has been going on in some form or another forever, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Rigging within the events uh, industry and the entertainment business was born and grew relatively uh, in the relatively recent past. So consequently, we found it was getting bigger, the demands were greater, the weights that people were hanging up got bigger and bigger. and um, there was very little training around. People had to learn as they went on. Mm -hmm. But it soon became apparent that, um, like other trades within the industry, scaffolding, electrician, etc., etc., 
why didn't the rigger have a card proving his competence? Sure. There's a huge gap there. And um, it seemed inevitable that it would be imposed on us by the rigorous health and safety regimes. So we invented it ourselves. It's been very, it's very well established now and widely accepted. How, how, how easy was it to get it adopted within the industry, i.e. the venues, the promoters, the, the actual event organisers and clients that you're subsequently working for and with? Well, there's always a little bit of resistance to anything new, but I think that venues, promoters uh, and everyone concerned saw the value in it and mm -hmm. there's really no argument to ignore it. Who, who would want an unqualified person working in a high-risk industry for them or in their venue when they could have a one with proof of competence? Uh, Eric, going back to, y you mentioned that there is inevitably certain elements within the industry, uh, certain people that just said, no, well, why do we need this? You know, we're experienced, we're competent, we've been doing this years, no doubt. Why do we now need to go and, and get this? Have those people come round to the right way of thinking or is it, it, has it slowly become something that people have generally thought, yeah, this is well, a good thing. Large numbers of the people who most fiercely resisted the implementation of the scheme have now actually become our best ambassadors mm -hmm. within the industry. Word of mouth is a is a is the most powerful influence within a small sector industry. You know, people gossip a great deal. Um, there are there are still one or two very well established folk who believe that they don't need the scheme and indeed they don't mm. you know because they're out there earning an absolute fortune working on the the most expensive tours and uh, but on the other hand there are others like that who for whatever reason decided to come on board and realized I think folk who've been out there for a long time and have learnt well on the job often don't realize what they don't know technically yeah and the younger intake if you like who know an awful lot of theory don't realize how ham-fisted and <laughs> uh, sometimes illogical they are in their work practices so i think the the value of the national rigging certificate has been to at least put a middle ground you know that there there are opposing yeah. uh, types, find, types find, of Finding entrance. that happy medium Very, between mm, the theoretical application yeah. of these jobs and the practical application of these jobs, and combining the experience and the knowledge together. And doing it safely and efficiently, and, and being able to, to problem solve because you have understanding. Th those who resisted at first were those who had been doing rigging for what they considered to be a long time, mm -hmm. and they considered themselves experts, so why the hell should they be assessed by other people? But, but surely with the change and, and such rapid development in sound, light, you know, the actual technical hardware that's being used now at live events changes so rapidly year on year, like all technology does now, laptops, mobile phones. There's an o there must be an ongoing process now of re-evaluation and, and, and looking at the hardware that's being deployed and how then it needs to be rigged. Well, so mm. uh, that's sort of true. But on the other hand, if you're hanging a large weight up above people, it doesn't matter whether it's an aircraft, a satellite, a rock and roll rig, a PA cluster, the principles and the rigging equipment are pretty similar. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious to throw into the mix here. Um, the, the National Arenas Association has guidance for rigging within NAA venues. Um, when 
another association like those guys puts together a guidance for rigging, how much of it is done in conjunction with you guys and in conjunction with the wider industry to make sure that everybody's singing from the same hymn sheet? Well, it is an important consideration. Um, but even qualified, well, it's accepted that qualified riggers are going to be working in a lot of different environments, and one of the rules to follow is that you follow the house rules. Right. Uh, so, so it meshes quite nicely. Okay. Yeah. Also, um, in more recent years, uh, the last four years or so, the NRAG was expanded by Plaza to include um, many more influences. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of whom hang things in the air, television, theatre, exhibition, you, yeah. you name it. Um, and the uh, there is a now a seat on the NRAG um, that is covered by one of the one of the senior folk of the National Arenas Association. Uh -huh. So there's a dialogue within the NRAG. Um, and in answer to your question, actually an awful lot of bringing together of ideas, practice, So there is very much this the, the, the defragmentation of, mm. of the wider industries mm. and people now working together a lot more via Plaza and via NRAG to, to, to actually discuss these issues. Mm. When we're looking at, at something like the, uh, the NRC, um, what are the what what are the criteria for somebody who actually t t to get onto it? it? Do they have to have already had experience? Could you have somebody who's never done this before step forward and say, "Look, I'd like to qualify and get my NRC and then work as a rigger in the industry"? What's the actual process of somebody? Well, the NRC <coughs> the NRC is an assessment um, scheme. So those with a chance of being assessed and and accredited need to present evidence for their assessments. They need to do practical on-site jobs and be observed and they need to produce written evidence that they <coughs> which amounts to their experience being endorsed by other people in the industry they need to sit a written exam mm -hmm. and they need to answer all questions over the two-day assessment um, one problem that transpired after it was put in place was that as you point out how's you, what what route into the industry is there for complete beginners who are not ready for the NRC yet and to that end, um, Plaza launched the trainee rigor scheme in January of 2015, right. which gives um, uh, beginners a framework and a path to follow, and a logbook to fill in, and advice on what they need to do to reach the standard where mm. they can be assessed at for the uh, National Rigging Certificate Level 2. Because like any industry and, and any sort of qualification, you don't want a chicken and egg scenario where... <coughs> You know, in order to work in the industry, you have to have that qualification. But in order to get the qualification, you've got to first work in the industry. Yeah, it's um, the NRC is, is a uh, an assessment of competence. Now, competence is a, a, an easy throwaway word these days, really. But competence is only gained through training and experience. Mm -hmm. um, now, within our industry, a lot of people come into rigging through helping a mate unload boxes on a Saturday morning, etc. So, training yeah. historically comes through hours spent on arena floors. Having said that, there are also established training rigging uh, courses. So training and experience are important. Where you get the training is individual, it's down to you. The experience, obviously, of working within the industry for a number of years. The NRC doesn't stipulate how many. Um, there are There is a national recognized standard uh, required in order to achieve a level two. That is explained to people before they take the assessment. So it's for them to judge whether they believe they're at that particular level 
in order to take the assessment. There's no pass or fail. So very much as Eric said, like the, MB, uh, the MBQ route, if you fail to reach the required standard on the day, you're advised as to where you fail to reach that standard, right. and then you go away and you upskill, and then you can come back and retake. So, you know, albeit that it's a, an assessment of competence, how they gain that competence is down to the individual. Right. As uh, Robin mentioned earlier on with the trainee rigger, for a long time, as I say, people come in helping friends out, there was no established route uh, into the rigging industry. So in 2015, we launched a scheme which advises people who are absolutely fresh to the industry how best to, to get that level of, of training and to get that level of experience. Uh, we offer advices to the um, activities that you should be carrying out and, and the equipment that you will need in order to get to NRC level two standard. Um, Eric, I, I'm curious, that you mentioned that you deliver a lot of training now in the industry um, and up at the, the, the Backstage Academy, mm -hmm. uh, which some of our listeners may or may, may not be familiar with, but the Backstage Academy has been around for a few years now, but it, it's quickly becoming quite a, a well-respected entity within the industry, isn't it, P for what it's delivering from a training point of view to people wanting to take that step into the industry. Um, is it helping to strike the balance that we mentioned between practical application mm. and theoretical knowledge? Yes, I think so. In fact, the, it's its big success story has been that it's not um, been churning out people with degrees in our industry-related subjects, mm -hmm. but who have no real practical. And an awful lot of universities are turning out graduates mm -hmm. who really need to be beginners the, the moment they start actually working on the, at the coalface in sure. our industry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's been a, you know, a, a complaint for years and years and years. And over the period of time, the Backstage Academy has established itself as the kind of place that, that actually turns out people that you can employ on day one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, yeah, the, the, practical, the, the, the practical part of it is, is what sets it apart from an awful lot of others. Uh, moving that on a step, I, I, I know that there's, well, I'm curious to ask all three of you about the Riggers Conference, um, what it is, what it, you know, is this the first one that's, that's taking place? No. Crikey, no. Um, fourth, isn't it? I would say fifth, sixth, Fourth or maybe, fifth, or maybe. Fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth. So every year, Plaza holds um, uh, an international show uh, in London. Yep. And um, around about six years ago, I'm going to guess, um, we set up the Plaza Rigging Conference to sit alongside. It's a, originally, I think it was a two-day conference. Now it's down to one day. Uh, but it's a specific conference for the rigging industry. And we spend the entire day talking about issues of the day. Uh, <coughs> we get uh, as many people together as we can. Worldwide. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely yeah. international. It's an opportunity for the entire rigging community to come together and to socialize and network, but also to talk about sort of uh, issues that, that, that are around at that time so because yeah. I guess the very nature of what you do you can't really call it a UK industry can you because Absolutely. you're well, out no. on tour so no. it, it, riggers are it's an international community <coughs> well, it isn't is it? but like any like, like many others it's led by the UK of course absolutely <laughs> no, 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 and, and you're quite right to say that because I've said many times on the podcast b before that our events industry within the UK regardless of which particular sector you look at or which vertical strand of it often we do lead the way in many, many things. Has NRAG and th the certificates 
then prompted other countries to follow suit? H have we have we led the <coughs> way in that particular example? Go ahead, no, go on. I, I was just going to say the there are other countries, certainly within Europe, that offer um, competence-based qualifications for rigets. Mm -hmm. But it, what I'm finding interesting from the NRC point of view is that I get a lot of international inquiry uh, from from countries that don't uh, currently have anything along those lines and want to get NRC qualified. Both right. Europe, the Middle East, all Certain over. Certainly, Far East. yeah, I mean, Qatar, places like that, Singapore, we train people from an awful lot from Portugal, from Scandinavia, and they look upon what we've developed as the NRC as being the best required standard and actually coming over specifically to take that. So we should qualify that the NRC is not a UK assessment or a quality, th th this could be, this is an international qualification well or, 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 or certification? I mean, we mentioned early doors that, that um, it's based on occupational standards, national <laughs> occupational Now, those are UK uh, standards. Right. So you could argue that anybody that gains their NRC is, is to a UK standard. Having said that, it's also based on best practice. It's based on industry input. And it obviously you know, works across boundaries, across uh, countries. But it is fundamentally a UK so qualification. It carries a lot of weight mm. um, worldwide. Mm. But it's based on UK legislation, mm. guidance, and standards. Uh, and like many mm. things, we should be proud of the fact that yeah. it's developed in the UK. Because the fact that we can promote it and that we have international interest as a result of it being based on UK standards is something that we should shout about. Absolutely. Yeah. There, there are big structural differences, um, even between ourselves and our European neighbours, um, about what qualifi uh, competence qualifications consist of and how they are how they are put together. From basically because the the varying countries have got different historical educational standards processes, um, as as well as industrial standards that you might a, a, a lot of a lot of what we do for example in rigging is lifting things up in the air and bringing them down again well there have been standards around for crane operators and people slinging loads under cranes so the the tasks of writing standards for the NRC was very much one of taking existing standards as much as possible and rewriting them mm -hmm and putting them forward to the relevant body for, for acceptance. Um, so that might vary from country so to country, of course. Yes, little, of course. Vari little variations from country to country are going to make a difference. You know, certainly, Plaza has um, given a lot of effort mm -hmm. to helping other groups of people, it's particularly within Europe, but, but beyond as well, in setting up something equivalent but it's a costly and time-consuming business. I mean, the, the setting up of National Rigging Certificate um, occupied a huge investment yeah. from Plaza. And... Um, you to do that elsewhere yeah. is a significant commitment, it isn't it, for any it other organisation to, to step forward and try and do an that? It would require an awful lot of commitment of investment from the local industries, the interested parties sure. in, in and their... And all the input from the NRAG was um, uh, people from all uh, different um, you know, competitors within the industry came and sat around the table, mm. put their differences aside and contributed to for nothing to putting this scheme together. And the same goes for all the people who became assessors and the same goes for the companies who have um, put together s assessment centres mm -hmm. and, and run, the, run and, and administer the assessment centres 
it's not um, profitable. It's it's uh, for the good of the industry and the safety within the industry. And presumably, putting those differences aside and getting <coughs> all the companies to sit around a table, ultimately, am I right in saying that a lot of the, the staff, the actual riggers themselves, are working on a freelance basis and there will be crossover between all those different companies, so it's in everybody's best interest to have mm. freelance riggers who are working to a better standard full stop. Correct. But in other, in other territories, very often... There are two main companies. Yeah, and you know where where the, the rigging world in in the UK has been fairly large with a lot of different operators. Other territories, there's maybe two main companies who are such fierce competitors that it's a real struggle to get them to sit down and and put a neutral hat on in a bit of neutral territory. Mm. Um, yeah, Wh know. which goes back to to the point you were making about how difficult it would be to to start setting up equivalents in, in other territories. Um, Paul, I, I'm, I'm curious to just, just ask a, a quick question here relating to the Plaza website and the Plaza skills section. Um, I'm looking at the trainee rigor scheme registered trainees. There's actually a list and a, a registry on there. I was wondering if you could tell tell the listeners a little bit about that register scheme and, and, and how it sort of dovetails in with what we've been discussing. Sure, of course. So um, we've already mentioned the trainee rigor scheme started at the beginning of last year. Um, and part of their registration is that we publicly um, advertise the fact that they're registered for the scheme and we put on their contact details. And this allows uh, any employers or any freelance riggers that are looking for help uh, or an opportunity to give one of the trainees experience to get in touch with them uh, and to use them uh, uh, on jobs, uh, whatever that may be, and, and to give them the experience needed. Each time they carry out uh, a task which is relevant to their progression to a comp towards competence, they log it down in a book which is signed off by an NRC qualified rigger. And fundamentally, when they come then to do their NRC, they bring that with them as another form of evidence. So it sort of uh, gives the, uh, the, the assessor who's uh, looking at, uh, at what they've done and, and their level of competence, gives them a chance to see what experience they've had, where they've done it, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, so, so the, 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 the trainee rigour, the fact that we advertise it means mm -hmm. that they get experience where, where necessary. Which goes back to the point, and the reason I wanted to throw that in is it goes back to the point we're making about gaining and giving that experience to people who are wanting root to. Into the uh, a route into Absolutely. the industry. And presumably, Robin, you've, you've used that registry and, and, and have been part of creating it, but also uh, yeah, we uh, have, we you, have you, assess this, you assess the actual NRC as well? Do you work as an assessor? I'm an assessor, and, and Unusual Rigging runs one of the two assessment centres, right. uh, which I'm in charge of. Um, and in addition to that, the company has uh, put a couple of our apprentices on the TRC scheme, and indeed all our riggers are NRC qualified, and we don't employ freelancers who aren't either. So uh, as with a lot of companies, um, we fully support and endorse the NRC and TRC, mm. and we recognise its value. When you work through the assessment criteria, how um, regularly is the criteria refined or updated or altered in any way? Is there a set point each year where you will sit and look at any revisions that need to be making, or is it something that can be done on a fairly ongoing basis? Well, they're few and far between, and, and reviews like that would only take place if um, guidance was changed so that um, what up until that date had been regarded as best practice was then uh, superseded. So it's very rare that that happens. And no, Paul's probably better qualified to answer that. It's just probably now's a good time to sort of talk about the standardisation meetings that we have. Mm. Um, the NRAG that we've been talking about so far meets quarterly. 
Um, and what we do off the back of that, uh, that, that meeting is to piggyback what we call the standardization meeting. Now, standardization meetings take place at uh, assessment centers after each cohort. So the, the assessors will get together with the center managers and staff and mm -hmm. discuss how that day has, has gone. But every quarter, uh, we also hold a general standardization by which all of the assessment centers and staff involved come together. And we talk about issues of the day, whether or not uh, how the scheme is going, uh, whether or not there's anything that we need to review. Uh, so every three months, we bring up issues around the table. And, and so we can mold the, the qualification as and when necessary, basically. We don't change fundamentally the standards, but we can change the delivery or assessment uh, techniques, mm -hmm. potentially, or something along those lines. So we're constantly reviewing the assessment process and the, the certification scheme uh, as we go through the year. Yeah, there, there have been constant little tweaks to it based on feedback from the candidates themselves, mm. you know, pointing out uh, what they, they may correctly or incorrectly f figure is an inconsistency. Mm. But, we, but we note those and, and bring them together in a forum yeah. We, we, sorry, we, we get feedback from every single assessment that takes place from the candidates and that again is reported to the group and we decide off the back of that whether there's any tweaks we need to make. Mm -hmm. Do you find that um, people taking this qualification or, or, or being assessed, sorry, to, to get their the, the NRC are working exclusively as a rigger or uh, is there now a crossover as people become multi-skilled in the industry where you'll have lighting technicians and audio technicians who are also who have also got some experience in rigging and have decided, look, it's in my best interest to get my NLC as well because it just gives another string to my bow. Or do you find it's quite a specialist area? We could answer that, but we're going to wait for the next podcast. <laughs> 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 well, we're, yeah, we're, we're, I should point out that we're... Um, we're recording a number of episodes at Blackout HQ today, and we're going to be talking to the guys and having them on other episodes about um, about various different elements that, as Robin points out, relate Absolutely. to the topic. So um, I, I think, actually, looking at the time then, that might be a pertinent point then to, to, to wrap up what we're speaking about today. But I, I, th I think what we should also do, um, Paul, is point out how people may get involved in the Riggers Conference, uh, forthcoming plaza events, and uh, let's talk about that briefly, how people may uh, may actually get involved in this if they, they haven't done already. So the plaza show, I believe, is on the 18th of September, or kicks off on the 18th of this, uh, September this year. Mm -hmm. uh, the conference will be on the Monday. Yeah. Um, previous to that, there is a riggers forum on the Sunday afternoon at the show by which we invite all riggers to come together um, as a bit of networking, but also to discuss any issues that, that may arise. When you say riggers forum on a Sunday afternoon, yes. are we <laughs> th th this is, sounds like a very loose it's term for meeting down the pub. It's an it it's we, we try and keep it as informal as possible. It's a, an absolutely open forum where we invite anybody to come along and we literally sit in a room and we talk about whatever it is that, that, that riggers are concerned with. Okay. Um, and we talk openly, and there is no judgment on the day, so we have a, a, a good chat, and we talk things to death sometimes. Um, and then, of course, there's the, the, the networking that follows that. Sure. So that's on the Sunday afternoon, and then the riggers conference runs all day on the Monday. And presumably that, that perhaps semi-informal networking on the Sunday gives a nice precursor to the formal conference and maybe Absolutely. even raises some last-minute points and things that can be discussed there. Absolutely. Um, this year uh, at the conference, there's a number of speakers. Uh, I think one of the issues we're talking about certainly is, is people flying. Uh, which is a big concern for people at the moment, so we're going to discuss that. So you're absolutely right. The Sunday is the informal side, 
uh, and the conference the following day is destruction. The term people flying alone, I think, <laughs> for people who are just listening to, to, to it, straight away in my head, um, people flying is a wonderful term to imagine what it could actually deliver well in the Well, come industry. along to the conference. Absolutely. Um, the Plaza website is where you can find all the information. Uh, it's plaza.org. Um, so anybody listening, head along to plaza.org to find out more about the conference. Presumably there's, there's links and things on there for people Absolutely. to register for it uh, uh, and come along to it. We're going to wrap up this particular episode um, and say thank you to our guests. Um, first of all, Paul Ridderford, uh, NRC Manager for Plaza. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Robin Elias, Technical Director of Unusual Rigging. Robin, thanks for your input on today's Pleasure. episode. Eric Porter, we'll, we'll refrain from the full thing, but Eric Porter, veteran of the rigging industry. <laughs> Thanks, James. Thanks for joining <laughs> us today. Uh, you've been listening to Talking Events. Uh, download the podcast from iTunes. Watch videos of the podcast on eventindustrynews.co.uk. And we'll see you on the next episode of Talking Events. Mm -hmm.